1: 1700 hours central african time good afternoon and welcome to africa digest you're listening to channel africa from an african perspective broadcasting to you from our studios in johannesburg south africa you can find us on www.channelafrica.co.za as well as on channel 802 on the dstv audio bouquet if you are only joining us today for the first time happy new year we're glad to have you back with us in 2021 Top stories on Africa Digest at this hour. Uganda's Bobby Wine is accusing soldiers of the country's national army and police of stopping him from campaigning to attract voters. Hundreds of Cameroonians displaced by the separatist crisis return to their local communities. On the eve of Zimbabwe's 30-day lockdown, panic sweeps uh, rapidly across the country. Right now, though, it's time for your latest news bulletin with Onderlin Tsunzi.
2: S.A.B.C. News, independent and impartial. From an
0: African perspective.
3: Thank you, Samora. South Africa's National Coronavirus Command Council is expected to have an urgent meeting on Wednesday amid the rapid increase in COVID-19 infections across the country. Government spokesperson Pumla Williams has confirmed that this meeting will seek to come up with a concrete plan on how government will further intensify the fight against COVID-19. The meeting comes at a time where South Africa has recorded over 30,000 deaths due to the coronavirus with daily infections well above 10,000. Abongile Dumako reports. This coming NCC
4: meeting will come up with a plan that might see further lockdown restrictions imposed. In December, President Cyril Ramaphosa implemented a revised lockdown level 3 with tightened restrictions including the ban on the sale of alcohol and a a 9am to 6am curfew introduced with public gatherings only allowed for a few people. Thus far, the total number of coronavirus infections is at 1 million 113,349
3: Supporters of Central African President Faustin Touadéra are rejoicing to see their candidate win the just-concluded election. The National Election Authority declared the incumbent president the winner of the December 27 election by 53.9 percent. With security levels at stake, the voting did not take place at all in 29 of the country's 71 sub-fractured, and was curtailed in six others. Touadéra had struck a peace accord with 14 armed groups in February 2019, essentially bringing the warlords into a government or administration. Thousands of people have died since 2013. and More than a quarter of the population of 4.9 million have fled their homes with 675,000 seeking refuge in neighboring countries. Ugandan musician turned politician Robert Kiagulani, known as Bobby Wine, has promised to protest any illegalities and any irregularities relating to the election on January 14th. Wine has report repeatedly been detained by Ugandan police in the pretext of going against the COVID-19 regulations during his mega campaign rallies. Bobby Wine alleges that the incumbent President Eurim Seveni is already seemingly rigging the elections and further asked Ugandan's to stand up against such malpractices. Wine, who has campaigned on a platform of ending Museveni's 35-year stranglehold on power in Uganda, often draws huge crowds in his campaigns, which have been broken up with tear guests, right, police and live rounds. Matriculants in Malawi are finally sitting for exams, which were cancelled in November after exam papers were leaked. Students were initially scheduled to sit the exams in June, but schools were closed in an effort to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. They then started the sitting of the final exams in October, but they were cancelled the following month after reports of papers being leaked. Lastly, voting is underway in the U.S. state of Georgia into vital fine-off elections which will decide whether Republicans or Democrats control the Senate. Victory in these polls would give President-elect Joe Biden control over the whole of the Congress and with power to push forward his progressive agenda. The BBC's David Willis reports.
0: And as well as attracting more than 3 million early voters, the elections have broken spending and fundraising records. Once a solidly Republican state, Joe Biden became the first Democrat to win the presidential race in Georgia in nearly 30 years, albeit by a slim majority back in November.
3: Channel African News, I'm
2: <laughs> SABC News independent,
5: and impartial.
2: From an African perspective.
6: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story.
7: What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy, which can ensure full employment,
1: We now cross over to uganda where one of presidential contestants bobby wine is accusing soldiers of the country's national army and police of stopping him from campaigning to attract voters bobby wine claims that the soldiers and police are complying with orders from ugandan president Yoweri Museveni. james shimanyula reports
6: as the countdown continues to the 14th of this month when presidential election is to be held in uganda 11 contestants including president Yoweri museveni and four retired military men that were once close to him as well as pop star Bobby Wine are campaigning aggressively in various parts of the country. All contestants challenging Museveni's presidency have accused the Ugandan authorities of firing Tiaga's canisters, rubber bullets and live bullets at them and massive crowds supporting them. Those behind the firing mission, the contestants say, are soldiers of Uganda's National Defense Forces and the police. One of the contestants, Bobby Wine, has gone to the extent of claiming that military trucks and police cars have been running over some of his staunch supporters. Bobby Wine says his cry to the soldiers of the National Army and Police to stop killing and maiming supporters has fallen on deaf ears. As campaigns continue ahead of presidential election on the 14th of this month, more than 60 people have been killed, although President Museveni has officially announced that 54 people have lost their lives in what he characterized as violence unleashed by his main challenger, Bobby Wine. Nevertheless, campaigns. The rallies are continuing despite intermittent stoppage by soldiers of Uganda National Army and police. Take a listen to what one of Bobby Wine's staunch supporters is saying as loud siren noise mingled with firing of rubber and live bullets engulfs an area where the popular pop star and opposition politician, whose real name is Robert Chagulanyi, was campaigning.
8: The police... And President Museveni's government is afraid of seeing Chagulanyi getting the support.
6: And here is Bobby Wine's take on President Museveni Passe.
7: General Museveni campaigning and shameful enough, he is the one giving orders to stop us from campaigning. On Twitter, you continue to see Museveni's son bragging about the bloodshed that is ongoing here in Uganda. So let us not pretend about this. Our people are not just dropping dead. Our people are being murdered by the people who are paid to protect them and preserve their lives.
6: Bobby Wine discloses military forces that are firing bullets at his supporters.
7: We are being attacked and shot at by the Uganda People's Defense Forces, which is supposed to be guarding the lives of the people of Uganda. We are being attacked, brutalized and shot at and murdered by the Uganda police force which is supposed to protect and serve. I have been calling for non-violence. The people of Uganda are not violent.
6: Another presidential contestant feeling the full brunt of military and the police forces is retired Army General Mugisha Muntu, one time close comrade in arms with the President Museveni during the war that brought the Ugandan leader to power in 1986.
2: Those of us who are involved in this exercise for the long haul know that General Seven is just a symptom of a larger problem, and the larger problem is that politics has been turned into such a messy thing. So we go in trying to mobilize and organize the population, believing that there must be Ugandans who are tired of this nature of
6: politics and want to clean it. Be that as it may, journalists covering candidates challenging Museveni have sustained serious injuries arising from beating by police and soldiers. Charles Twine, spokesman for Uganda Police Criminal Investigation Department, explains briefly what transpired between security forces and the journalists during presidential campaigns.
7: Unfortunately, and most regrettably, some journalists were caught up in a scaffold during the process of dispersing the violent supporters. Notable among them was a Ghetto TV crew member, identified as Ashlav Kassiliye, who sustained an injury on his upper left eye allegedly from a blunt object force
6: also commenting on allegations made by Bobby Wine and General Muntu Paul Bukenya spokesman for Uganda's electoral commission had this to say
9: Candidates have had the opportunity to reach out to the voters. There are 11 presidential candidates we have not suspended the campaigns of anyone. So I think we've tried to be fair to all.
6: That was Paul Bukenya, spokesman for Uganda's Electoral Commission. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula.
1: Hundreds of Cameroonians displaced by the separatist crisis, especially along the border with Nigeria, have this new year 2021 Uh, have in this new year in 2021 been returning to their local communities for the first time since the conflict that is in its fourth year. Uh, Humanitarian groups, churches and local councils are handing gifts to the refugees in need. Moki Kinziger reports from Yaounde that the returnees tell stories of the maltreatment in the hands of both the military and the separatist fighters but both the troops and separatists deny any wrongdoing.
2: About 300 people displaced by Cameroon's separatist conflict assembled in the English-speaking town of Mamfe, 30 miles east of the Nigerian border to receive food and mattresses from the government and humanitarian agencies. Mamfe's mayor, Robertson Tabechong Ashu, says among the 300 are 120 civilians returning from Nigeria. He spoke on Cameroon State Media CRTV.
10: During the crisis, these people were seriously touched. They traveled to Nigeria for safety. And today they, came, they have come back because of uh, the peace and serenity. And apart from this, they have also registered in the presidential plan for reconstruction
4: and development. That means Their household equipments will
2: be given back to them. As you said, Cameroon's government convinced the people who fled the fighting to come home as peace is gradually returning to their villages. He said those displaced and returnees will benefit from a government reconstruction plan. In April, the government announced what it called the Presidential Plan for the Reconstruction and Development of the English-speaking northwest and southwest regions. The Reconstruction and Development Plan envisages the construction and equipping of 12,000 private homes and public buildings destroyed by four years of fighting. Last month, Cameroon announced lawmakers had approved funding for the plan but did not give further details. Cameroon said the people returned from Nigerian border towns and villages, including Agadom, Mfum, Uyo, and Aba, within the past two weeks. Their spokesperson, 38 year old teacher Elvira Ari, said they hope to find peace and to be spared from both military and separatist fighters' brutality while at home. He spoke via a messaging app from Mamfi.
0: The military in their search for these separatists brutalize the population burn their shops ask women to undress and all of that secondly even when the population wants to collaborate with the government to unveil the identity or the whereabout of these separatists the separatists find out somehow and they come after the population and kill the individuals who reported them there's lack of trust
2: general eba eba benoa commander of cameroon military fighting separatists in the english-speaking southwest region denies that his troops brutalize civilians
11: our mission is to secure the populations and their belongings and to make sure that our territory
2: is safe Benoit blames separatists for the abuses committed on civilians separatists said on social media that fighters protect civilians and those returning from military brutality The separatists encourage people returning, but warn them against collaborating with the military and the central government in Yaoundé. Security analyst Pierre Akomoni of the University of Yaoundé says relative peace is returning only to major English-speaking southwestern cities such as Limbe, Boya, Kumba, and the northwestern towns of Bamenda and Kambe.
4: When you navigate to the suburbs of these regions, you will discover the President of the Republic relies so much on military might in order to maintain this gradual peace. And we all know that there will be time-consuming and a lot of human lives will be lost in the process. So why should we apply these options where there are other options which can bring complete and immediate peace, that is by declaring a ceasefire which will be preceded by a dialogue. Cameroon
2: says fighters have a choice between dropping their weapons and being pardoned or being killed by the military if they continue to fight. The United Nations says the Cameroonian conflict has killed more than 3,000 people with about half a million forced from their homes. Cameroon said about 50,000 residents escaped to neighboring Nigeria from where they are now returning. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzaka in Yaoundé, Cameroon.
12: Welcome to Change Your Game here on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We're coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. My name is Asanda Peta. <laughs>
0: What uh, GDF Forum is about and what an opportunity it provides specifically for the audience of Change Your Game.
12: At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy.
0: More support, just like invest more in young creatives and entrepreneurship, but actually do it, don't just talk about it, actually do it, you know, because there are a lot of creative minds, there are a lot of intelligent human beings in our country, so I think we should invest more in that and take it seriously, because it's a real thing.
12: Catch us every Friday at 900 hours Central African Time with Channel Africa, The African Perspective.
1: On the eve of Zimbabwe's 30-day lockdown, panic swept rapidly across the country. A lockdown announcement made over the weekend gave citizens a day to buy groceries or return to their homes ahead of curfew. While the stricter lockdown measures are meant to reduce the spread of the coronavirus, the uncertainty, lack of clarity of the announcement created panic and jostling. ...in public spaces such as supermarkets and buses. More from our correspondent, Simon Muchemwa... ...reporting from Harare in Zimbabwe.
8: This is 8 a.m. On a Monday morning and long queues... are formed outside banks, supermarkets... ...and the changes in the capital, Harare. Some people are carrying luggage... ...a sign they are headed for places far from the city... ...but to do so, they have to withdraw cash... ...and buy basic goods first. Zimbabweans are panicking as Monday is the last day ahead of the start of yet another stricter lockdown to curb the spread of COVID-19. However, with everyone panicking, the city is pegged, supermarkets overwhelmed, streets full, buses overloaded, and social distancing is no longer being added to. Inside the supermarkets, some citizens were not wearing masks and cues to the tills were so long thereby exposing each other to the virus. This could be a super spreader at a time when government was trying to reduce the spread of the virus. Dan Fodum president of the Confederation of Zimbabwe Retailers Association said,
10: it is just the fear of the unknown or rather people not quite sure what is going to happen tomorrow. How is the security situation going to be looking like What is it going to do? I mean, is it going to at least even allow movement? Because another situation that is actually, I mean, that is obtaining, which is quite worrying, is uh, the lack of clarity on the issuance of exemption letters that came in very late. Almost all the letters are going to be issued by the Ministry of Industry and Commerce. I don't know how they're going to be doing that tomorrow, the first day that level four lockdown is uh is is going to come into force so there was a, a lot of panic uh a lot of uncertainty and uh you know a lot of discomfort as well because they are quite worried about the spread of covid-19
8: Mutashu added
10: We are all worried about the pandemic. It's not like the business community in Zimbabwe is all after profit. We really care about our consumers. We care about our staff. And we care about ourselves as well, because we also do not want to get catched the the COVID-19 pandemic. This is why we are saying we could have also sat down with the authorities and come up with a roadmap. How is it going to be implemented? Who is going to be doing what? And how how are the exempted letters going to be issued? But we cannot go on to the last day to day before the implementation of the lockdown without, without knowing or spelling out how the exemption letters are going to be issued, where they're going to be collected. Uh, you know, so th- those are the challenges that we're saying. Surely there's something that could have been done to contain the situation.
8: Channel Africa spoke to Michael Gwarisa, publisher of a leading online Health Times newspaper, who expressed concern
9: the fact that people were panic buying today and they were in their numbers and hundreds in the supermarkets it was a super spread down its own and we say you know right now uh, we're experiencing more new cases in this, in 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 the urban areas, but because of this new trend that has been introduced because of panic buying, we are likely to see new cases in the rural areas and to make matters worse, a majority of the elderly people they reside in the rural areas, and these are the people. Who are not supposed to come into contact with the virus because of their comorbidities and other, you know, underlying uh, infections that might actually cause them to what to lose their lives. So uh, that was, I would say, this was a disaster, a failure to plan on behalf of government. They should have done this beforehand and warned the people. You do not just say tomorrow we are starting a new lockdown. You do not say that. You know, it is a pandemic. If you know, there, there, there are trends that should lead. To at least know that that is show you that something is about to happen, and you actually act against
8: that. Zimbabwe has witnessed the surge of the new and highly contagious variant of the COVID-19, leading to increased deaths and positive COVID-19 cases. The country has recorded more than double cases of the. The country has recorded more than double cases from the 16th of November to date, and out of nearly 400 deaths. Recorded so far, 200 died within this short period. Hospital beds are full, and several people are being urged to go home unless it's a matter of life and death. In Harare, Zimbabwe, for Channel Africa, this is Simon Muchemwa.
1: National lockdowns have returned across the UK after a joint warning from the chief medical officers of the four nations that health services are at risk of being overwhelmed within three weeks. COVID cases are continuing to rise rapidly, driven by the new variant of the virus. The number of patients in hospitals across the UK is increasing sharply, putting huge stress on the NHS. The BBC's health editor, Hugh Pym reports.
13: On the front line of a major London hospital today, Here at St George's, staff say it's exceptionally busy after a big increase in admissions of Covid patients. Over the weekend, they've been struck by the number requiring oxygen support and that's meant doubling capacity for oxygen supplies, which is no easy matter.
1: We have had several whole families admitted. Quite a lot of those people haven't been older, older people. They haven't been people with lots of medical problems. They have been young and fit people who have been themselves shocked at how unwell they've got and how quickly they've become unwell.
13: Annabelle's whole family was struck by the virus. She and her mother, Maria, were struggling to breathe and were admitted to Leicester Royal Infirmary. They were brought together in intensive care, but less than 24 hours later, Maria died.
0: It's literally just tore my family into tiny pieces. I I understand everyone's situation is different and we are, are at different points in our lives, but just to take a moment to put yourself in my shoes. And if that would make you perhaps rethink what you're gonna do that
13: day. London hospitals are under extreme pressure. And it's the same in other areas of Southern England. In the Southeast, total COVID patient numbers in hospitals are now well above where they were at the peak last April. And it's a similar story in the East of England with patient numbers rising rapidly in recent weeks. The chief executive of the Countess of Chester Hospital said 40% of beds were occupied by COVID patients and stressed there was a problem affecting more areas than just London. Community leaders in Cumbria, meanwhile, warned that the situation was getting worse.
9: It's extremely serious. The uh, risk uh, to the hospitals in the north is is quite severe at the moment. They have more coronavirus uh, patients in the hospitals than than they have ever had.
13: In some parts of London, virus cases as a proportion of the population have gone up 25% in a week. That's why hospitals like this one are under increasing strain and at a time when there are higher levels of staff sickness and those needing to self-isolate. Things could get even tougher in the weeks ahead.
1: And that report was by BBC's health editor, Hugh Pym. The South African regulator of medicines says it's currently reviewing new data it has received regarding the use of Ivermectin to treat COVID-19. Two weeks ago, the regulator banned the drug, saying there was no clinical evidence to support claims that it's a miracle cure for COVID-19, and warned that its use could lead to harmful effects and even death. Mongenemu Toa filed this report.
11: Evamectin, until now, a veterinary drug used to treat livestock infected by worms and parasites. Last month, a U.S. medical expert told a hearing by the U.S. Senate that evamectin has immensely powerful antiviral and anti-inflammatory agents and is, in fact, a miracle drug against COVID-19. Now, that has sparked a big rush for the drug worldwide, including here in South Africa.
9: We are very, very concerned about, you know, the uh,
14: repurposing of any drug if it is not uh, based on proper scientific research. And the bigger problem now is that it's being promoted via the black market, uh, and it is a criminal offence. Uh, people must realize if this medicine, um, you know, the use of this medicine result in any side effects, uh, my question is always who will then
9: take responsibility for that.
11: The South African Health Products Regulatory Authority initially shared Agri-SA's misgivings about the drug and banned its use in the country. But now, it may be experiencing a change of mind. It says it is now reviewing new data it has received about the drug and a decision on possibly approving it will be made in the coming days. Meanwhile, Kosatu says it is not convinced by government's COVID-19 rollout strategy that was announced by Health Minister Dr. William Kiesa last night
4: we believe that government was caught napping. Uh, We believe that some of the to-do lists that the minister presented yesterday, these are the things that should have been done four months ago. This is uh, disappointing for us because we are losing members at an alarming rate in the public service. Many of these frontline workers are heroically trying to uh, keep the lights on, but government is really letting them down. So we hope that Uh, The bilateral that the Minister uh, was talking about uh, will really yield the results. Uh, But what is disappointing is that uh, there were no definite time frames that the Minister presented. At the same time, even uh, the Minister himself admitted that the the, the, the discussions have have not been concluded with domestic uh, partners. The fact that the Council of Medical Aid schemes and other uh, social partners are yet to be conclusively consulted and engaged. is really disappointing. Uh, we, are, we don't have time. We don't have the luxury of time. So we hope that government is really going to work with all social partners to expedite this process because we need those frontline workers. We need people with comorbidities. We need the elderly to be the ones who are prioritized. But this needs to happen as soon as possible.
11: Kosatu has warned that South Africa risks falling behind the rest of the world in overcoming the pandemic and getting the economy back on track mbongani mochua sabc news john ahead
1: of a political showdown in the united states capital this week the washington post was first to report that president donald trump pressured Georgia's top election official to find enough votes to overturn his loss in that state raising legal and ethical questions for a president already impeached by the U.S. Congress. The Post obtained an audio recording of the Saturday telephone call between Trump and Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, in which the outgoing President Trump flattered, begged, and threatened Raffensperger with unsubstantiated criminal consequences were the Georgia elections not overturned. My colleague, Pete Andoro, spoke to John Leboutier lear a former Republican member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Boutelier, a former House of uh, the Republican member uh, of U.S. Representatives, has more.
10: All I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have, because we won the state. And honestly... This should go very fast. You should meet tomorrow because you have a big election election coming up. And because of what you've done to the president, you know, the people of of, uh, Georgia know that this was a scam. And because of what you've done to the president, a lot of people aren't going
15: out to vote.
16: I am sure I know you're a Republican, but you must be gobsmacked when you heard that uh, conversation.
15: Well, I'm not totally gobsmacked anymore after four years of this type of thing from Trump and and an accelerated pace of it since November 3rd. We, we we can hear in that voice on that phone call from Saturday the desperation of Donald Trump. He, for some reason, he just can't accept that he lost the election, which he did. Lost by a lot, actually. And he can't handle it, uh, shows something's wrong with him. Every other elected official, including myself, who loses an election, You don't like it, but you get up and you go on. And he can't do it. And uh, we've got 15 and a half days left Mm. till he's out. And it's going to be a wild ride, I'm afraid. I mean,
16: listening to the tape, people are calling it an abuse of power and even possibly breaking laws. Uh, Just how serious is what happened in that conversation?
15: Well, I am not a lawyer, but reading everything since yesterday when the tape was made public, you have election law experts in both Georgia and Washington, D.C., who say that Trump may very well have violated state election law in Georgia and federal election law and other federal laws, including extortion, uh, on that phone call. Now, whether they're going to do anything about it, prosecute him, I don't know. Congress could initiate impeachment all over again, but as of today, they've indicated they're not interested. You know, if he had a year or two left in office, they may do it. But he's only got two weeks left. So what's the point, really, uh, uh, from Congress's point of view? legally? They can take their time in either Georgia or Washington and decide whether they want to prosecute him. And the real reason they would do it, I think, is there needs to be a precedent that a president can't do this and get away with it. Because after Trump is gone, there may be another Trump someday, another, you know, megalomaniac president who uses his or her powers to try to stay in office even when they've lost an election. And that's got to be stopped now if we can stop it.
16: All right, so uh, a lot hinges tomorrow on an election for uh, new senators, two up for grabs in the state of Georgia. um, And people are wondering if he hasn't muddied the waters with his behavior.
15: Uh, well, we're going to find out. These are two crucial races that begin tomorrow, go all day and night. Uh, Will, As you said, determine the control of the United States Senate. Trump is going down there in four hours from now. Biden is there today campaigning because it's that crucial over who runs the Senate. And this can't help the Republicans in Georgia. This divides Republicans against each other. No one knows what Trump is going to say at the last minute on the stump in Dalton, Georgia tonight. So far, we know three million people in Georgia have voted in this special election by early voting and mail-in voting, the highest turnout ever for a runoff. And it's disproportionately people of color and young people and voters in areas that vote more Democrat than Republican. So it could be that Trump has screwed this thing up and handed these two Senate seats that are held by Republicans. He may be handing them, through his behavior, over to the Democrats. We will know Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere in there.
1: That is John Reboutelier, a former Republican member of the U.S. House of Representatives, speaking to my colleague Peter Andoro. Across the globe, every second there's always a breaking story.
7: What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment
1: Common allergies and motion sickness can put a damper on enjoyment of everyday life. This is the view of Byron Chukwu, a pharmacist with Medipost Pharmacy, South Africa's largest national courier pharmacy. And he joins us on the line to shed some light on the antihistamine medicines, explaining how they can be helpful for short-term relief of the symptoms associated with allergies.
14: The allergies are um, very common with a lot of people. Basically, a lot of people suffer from... Runny nose, hay fever regularly, as well as watery eyes and skin irritations. Um, and a pharmacist can basically relieve some over the counter medications such as loratidine, chlorpheniramine, soterizine uh, as well.
3: Now, are antihistamines available without a doctor's prescription? Talk us through this this medication and, and the benefits of it, especially when it comes to allergies.
14: Yes, um, um, antihistamines are definitely um, available without a doctor's prescription. Um, you can just visit any pharmacy and you can then just ask the pharmacist for the best appropriate antihistamine based on the kind of allergy or the type of allergy that you are currently suffering from, um, whether it be it's a runny nose um, or a hay fever, depending on how long you've been having that particular allergy. Sometimes, if based on the on the on the length you've had that allergy, we then prescribe or will then give you an antihistamine based on how long you've been suffering from that particular allergy. So, for example, if you have been having a runny nose, it's a short-term thing, and you just um, you don't necessarily have hay fever. Um, I might, for example, decide to give you chlorpheniramine, which is a first-generation antihistamine. Um, however, if you've got a hay fever and it's lasting long and it's a common regular problem uh, rather than give you a lorectidine or cetirizine because that's longer acting it also doesn't make you drowsy as well so yeah
0: now let's talk
3: about allergies and and, and the dangers there um byron i mean uh, um, are all allergies things that can be treated with antihistamines when should one worry um and uh, you know especially if uh, the antihistamines themselves are not working for a specific allergy
14: well, with antihistamines, um, I'd say that they're very safe, first of all. Um, however, like all medicines, some antihistamines um, may have um, side effects that are not pleasant to some. For example, drowsiness, dizziness, dry mouth, sedation, um, constipation are some, some of them. Um, however, what I'd recommend if it persists, if, for example, that allergy persists and it goes on for a longer period of time, I would suggest that um, a person actually then consults with a a general practitioner. Um, That general practitioner might then um, ensure a different treatment plan or might advise on a different treatment plan um, for that particular person. But regularly, self-medication normally does the job with regards to allergies.
3: Now talk to us about the work that you do as, as MediPost Pharmacy and uh, where our listeners can find out a little bit more about um,
0: some of the services that you offer.
14: Right, so I um, specifically um, work on the production side um, of, of at MediPost. So I actually process the medication. So we have a claiming side as well who, proce- who claims the medication. I then process the medication. Um, put the stock in the relevant parcels for the patients, and then send that out to the patients. So Medipost is a huge career pharmacy. We um, supply medication to over 400,000 people monthly um, around the country. Um, we deliver anywhere in the country as well. Um, our website is medipost.co.za. You can find more information there. And we are located in Kizina. um Our head branch is in Kazina at 593 Nickosmith Street uh pretoria
1: and that was byron chukwu a pharmacist with medipost pharmacy in south africa on the line to zikona schools in kenya have reopened for full-time learning for all learners on monday after a nine-month closure in a bid to contain the spread of covid 19 while the kenyan government says together with the development partners they will provide at least seven million face masks for children from vulnerable homes More than 8 million parents will have to dig deeper into their pockets to ensure the safety of their children from COVID-19. The BBC's Audrey Brown spoke to Grace Nagabo, a music teacher at Mount Kenya Academy based in Nyeri Town, about the challenges of teaching with face masks on.
17: It was a bit strange, of course. Both the students and I were in masks. And so there would be a bit of a lag in communication because sometimes they're not speaking up loud enough to be heard over the masks. Um, there's also the aspect of social distancing, which affects things that we would normally do, like group work. If you ask them to to discuss in pairs or to work on something in pairs, they can't literally move to where the, their partner is, so they have to just engage from that kind of perspective. I was also thinking about things like if we were to do something like singing. Probably would have to consider doing that outside because of ensuring that they are not in an enclosed space. And of course now they must have wondered about me because I I had a mask on and then I also had a face shield on. So it's a bit strange to see a teacher that you have seen before now all covered up. Also having them remember to keep their distance from one another, to sanitize and to use sanitizer and things like that. It's definitely a big adjustment. And, and how, did you, how
0: did you manage also, it? How did they manage? Did they do well? Did they remember all the things or did you have to constantly be saying, hello, Maura over there, can you remember to stay in your place and you over there don't do this or were they good at it? <laughs> no,
17: today they were quite settled. It's just that during times like lunchtime when they have to move to the lunch hall to have lunch, you have to constantly remind them to keep a safe distance From one another.
0: How tenable are the circumstances? Because all over the world people are wondering about children going back to school and how how safe it really is for them to be in school.
17: I think for us here in the school that I'm in, we are fortunate because we are doing the absolute best that we can to ensure that the students are as safe as possible. But then this is a private school so the numbers are not as big and we are doing our best to ensure that Physical distance is kept, and they even markings on the floor so that we put desks in certain places. But I don't know. I'm not. I don't know how the public system is doing because they have way more students than
0: we do. So would you say, on the whole, and taking into account all the safety precautions and measures to stop transmission, it's better for the students to be at school than to be at home?
17: To be honest, I would say that it depends on the age. So younger children maybe they would have benefited if they were home for a bit, and then maybe they would have sort of considered something like a phased reintroduction into the physical classroom, because it's it's quite taxing. I mean, the teachers there are, are well trained and vast in creative ways of reminding the children, but sometimes they can actually forget. You know, put back your mask on, sit in this place, don't. Um, that kind of thing, and let the children thrive with that kind of social contact with one another. And a lot of them missed school because they missed their friends. But then when they come back, there's all these restrictions. So I think it depends. Some ages, I feel like, would be able to quickly adjust to that, but younger children, no.
1: And that is Grace Nagabo, a music teacher at Mount Kenya Academy, based in Nyeri Town, speaking to BBC's Audrey Brown.
5: I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land.
4: Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect. An explorative one-on-one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Fridays, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central African Time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
12: Welcome to Change Your Game here on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We're coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. My name is Asanda Peta. What uh, GDF Forum is
0: about and what an opportunity it provides specifically for the audience of Change Your Game.
12: At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy.
0: More support, just like invest more in young creatives and entrepreneurship. But actually do it, don't just talk about it, actually do it, you know, because there are a lot of creative minds, there are a lot of intelligent human beings in our country. So I think we should invest more in that and take it seriously because it's a real thing.
12: Catch us every Friday at 900 hours Central African time with Channel Africa, the African perspective.
6: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story.
7: What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment
1: Now for the latest sport, here's Musbudi Makura.
0: Good evening sports fans and starting off with football news, Namibia will continue to prepare for the Chan Finals in Cameroon later this month, despite 10 players and one technical staff members having tested positive for COVID-19. Now on the 2nd of January, the Namibia Football Association announced on its website that its preparations had been halted, but uh, since that announcement, training has resumed. The association also announced that they had to withdraw from the Chan warm-up tournament in Rwanda, when Namibia was supposed to compete against the hosts and the DR Congo from the 7th up until the 11th of January. Meanwhile, Zimbabwe's preparations have also been hit after nine players and five staff members tested positive for COVID-19. The Zimbabwe Football Association has suspended all training sessions for the Zimbabwe Chan team following the news of the positive cases. To cricket news, South Africa completed a dominating 10-wicked victory over Sri Lanka shortly after lunch on the third day of the second Bedway Test at the Imperial Wanderers Stadium in Johannesburg earlier today. Another victory coupled with the innings and a 45-win at Supersport Park in the country's capital, Pretoria, during the Boxing Day Test allowed the home side to whitewash Sri Lanka in a revenge series after having lost the two previous test matches at home and in Sri Lanka. Now man of the match Dean Alga and Aiden Markram quickly knocked off the sixty seven runs required in just thirteen point two overs with Markram striking four boundaries and Alga five after Sri Lanka had been bowled out for two hundred and eleven in their second innings shortly before lunch time on day three. Now protea's head coach Mark boucher is happy with the win.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's good to get a win first of all, I'll be in our own conditions. Um, I think from a batting perspective, it was nice to see a, a, quite a few of our batters in the runs, uh, spent a bit of time in the middle, so that would have given them a lot, a lot of confidence going into to big series as in Pakistan or Australia, um, so they can build in that momentum. Um, then with our bowling, I mean, we if you look at our bowling attack, um, you know, there's a handful of games between between the guys, so we understand that there's a lot of inexperience there, um, especially with our kg there, and I think they learned to. A lot of lessons and I learned them pretty quickly as well. Um, we will we, we'll take a, take this momentum and take a bit of confidence. I understand that there's quite a, quite a few different changes we have to make with regards to techniques
15: when we go through to Pakistan. Um, but we will certainly take the, the confidence into Pakistan.
0: Now, protest and captain Quentin de Cox says this win was needed after disappointing 2020 season.
9: Um,
4: obviously, the year of 2020, which we had, we just wanted to uh, get get off to a good start in our next season. I think it was more that just the case of it. Um, you know, and the boys showed up and they did really well and they turned up the year, which was good to see. Yeah, I was quite impressed with some of the guys who put up their hands. Um, and a lot of the senior guys, put up their, especially in our Bain lineup, which was good to see. Um, and also in our bowling lineup, obviously, uh, obviously Kesh was a bit unlucky to get his turn, but you know, he understands his role. Um, and the guys like like I know, looked all the
9: the four-seamers, cameras, the bowlers that bolt really well.
0: On to Tennis News, Novik Djokovic and Rafael Nadal will head the field at next month's ATP Cup, which has been reduced to 12 countries because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, world number one, Djokovic, leads Serbia after, or rather as they look to defend their title between the 1st and the 5th of February in Melbourne, Australia. Nadal, ranked second, represents a Spanish side aiming to avenge their defeat by Serbia in last year's final. U.S. Open champion Dominic Thiem leads Austria while ATP Finals champion Daniel Medvedev plays for Russia. Great Britain, on the other hand, who missed out on the semifinals last year have not qualified for the 2021 event. Meanwhile, the draw will take place on the 20th of January when the 12 teams will be divided into four groups of three. The group winners will advance to the semifinals of the event. And finally, the Vitality Netball Legends series, which was due to take place at the end of January between uh, England's Vitality Roses and Jamaica, has been postponed due to the ongoing global COVID-19 pandemic. The announcement regarding the four-test series, which was scheduled to start on the 22nd of January, was confirmed by England Netball on Monday. And those are Sports News at the Sour. This is Africa
7: Digest.
1: And that wraps up this hour of Africa Digest. Be sure to join us again a little bit later from nineteen hundred hours Central African time for more news from an African perspective. Right now though, here's Jiggy by Tandi Somers. Why are you taking us to the top of the hour?